I'll be the first to tell you, if you're not happy where you are now, you're not gonna be happy with the 10 pound weight loss or 15 pound weight loss. You will want more. Mm -hmm. Same thing when it comes to money. If you're not completely like living gratitude and gratefulness of where you are now with the level of income you have, Mm -hmm. when you hit that goal level of income, you're gonna feel the same. Hello, welcome to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufelt. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you are having a great week, a productive week of social distancing and all that crazy good stuff. Times are still a little weird right now, but I think and hope this episode will help brighten your day and spread the positivity. I'm super excited to share today's guest, but first let's dive into some of this week's news like usual, but we're not talking about coronavirus or anything like that. You're hearing enough about that. We're talking about some happy headlines. Let's go. This week, Facebook announced that it will offer $100 million in grants to 30,000 small businesses. If you're a small business owner, you can sign up for updates on facebook.com slash business slash grants and you can look out for updates there to see when they're available to sign up but they announced it this week to help some small businesses and the money could be used for whatever whether that's facebook advertising or anything related to your services whatever you need there are also some other programs being offered by other large businesses for example goldman sachs has a program called 10 million small businesses that provides access to capital and support for different services so look around for those especially during this crazy time but i thought that was cool that facebook announced that they were going to do that In other Facebook news, we talked about this months ago, but it finally happened this week. Facebook launched a redesign of their desktop website, which includes dark mode and a new cleaner look. To activate it, open Facebook, go to settings menu and see new Facebook, and you'll be able to test it out. Excited, love a good dark mode to help the eyes. (laughs) Next one. Penguins in an aquarium in Chicago are now in free reign after the aquarium had to close its doors due to the coronavirus. So at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago, they've been posting the cutest videos of these penguins having their own little field trips and outings in the aquarium. It's just the cutest thing. And the penguins are really looking at all the exhibits and the other animals. It's so cute. It's these two penguins just walking around, owning the place. It's amazing. But while you're indoors, there are some other animal viewing options available to you. So Monterey Bay Aquarium has um, a live webcam where you can tune into different exhibits. And the Smithsonian's National Zoo has webcams available too. So get to watching some animals while you're inside. (laughs) And last but not least, another interesting more positive story this week was French luxury goods conglomerate LVMH, the parent company to brands like Louis Vuitton, Givenchy, Christian Dior, and more, released a statement announcing that their company is now preparing for production to manufacture large quantities of hand sanitizer gel to be provided to public authorities given the risk of shortage. So they're getting in the hand sanitizer business now. So a few more positive headlines to brighten up your week to know that stuff is still happening that's good too. And now for our guest, I'm so excited for you to hear my interview with Felicia. I think this interview is perfect for right now. We're talking about health, we're talking about mindset, and right now with everything going on and most of us indoors, we're really trying to think of how we can take advantage of this time, but also be it a healthy time. This is going to be a really helpful episode, I think, in perfect timing, actually. So a little bit more about Felicia. Felicia Romero has been a health and wellness coach for over 15 years. She's an eight-time magazine cover model, public speaker, fitness coach, and the host of Diet Dropout, a podcast. On her podcast, she shares personal stories about how she overcame health issues, as well as actionable advice from top health professionals. She's helped hundreds of people on their weight loss and mindset journey. In this episode, we talk about her wellness journey, competing in figure competitions, and being an IFBB pro, balancing fitness and healthy eating as a working woman, developing a positive relationship with food and with yourself, and so much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Felicia. So excited to have you, Felicia. I know on the too. podcast. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm really. Are you recording? Yeah, we're live, guys. Yes, we are, we live. are live. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm 
I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I think this is the first interview I've done with someone who has a podcast too. So I'm like, I'm here with a pro. Like, I don't even, you already got it. (laughs) I love it. Isn't podcasting so fun though? It is. It's so fun. You just have more access to Mm -hmm. people and to their stories. Mm -hmm. And like, you learn so many things that you wouldn't have known just from like, maybe a print story or even like, I don't know, it's just like a cool facet of journalism. It is. And it it allows you to dig deeper and go a uh, you know, a little bit, di- a, a different level than just like kind of the superficial posts that you'll see on Instagram or Facebook. Mm-hmm. It allows you to kind of take a deeper look. And I know for me, like my days kind of ran by podcasts. I listen to podcasts as I'm working out, as I'm driving. I actually don't even really listen to music anymore and, or, or an audible. And I just find that, yeah, you're able to just get in so much more information and Mm -hmm. learn about topics that you may not have learned about. Yeah. Yeah, It's Mm -hmm. cool. And it's cool to start off the day, like learning something new. I think it was yesterday. I was like, Oh, it's Friday. Like I'll try listening to music on the way to work. Yeah. It felt weird almost. Right. (laughs) It was fun. Like whatever. But like, yeah, yeah, I was like, Oh, like I feel like my brain is used to like learning something. Yeah. Like and craving that. Yeah. No, funny. absolutely. I agree. <laughs> so first off, just because my audience may not know your story, like, how did you get into like the fitness and health space? Mm-hmm. Was that always a part of your life or like even in childhood or where did that come from? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So yeah, I was always an active kid. Like I played sports. I started playing little league. My mom was just really, we had a very athletic family. So mm-hmm. sports was just kind of second nature for us, um, you know, and, and being athletic and trying new things. And I remember my mom always saying like, oh, you know, we can't go a school season, you know, you know how there was like summer, spring, uh, fall, um, winter, we can't go too long without playing a sport. Like every season we got to pick something, you know, cause my mom just wanted us to be active, but she also grew up around sports. She ran track in college and, and in high school, she even had records at Gilbert high, which is where I went, um, for track up until even when I was there. So coming from an athletic background, that's just kind of what we did. Um, but I also, and it's funny that I'm in this health nutrition field now because we didn't really predicate our day around, nutrition. I like we, I ate when I was hungry and I stopped when I was full. My mom cooked dinner every single night and we always, my mom always made sure we had a protein, you know, some sort of vegetable. We had biscuits or carb or whatever that might be. But never once did I ever hear my mom talk about, I need to lose weight Mm -hmm. or we need to watch our calories or I'm on this diet trying to look this certain way. Never did I once hear that out of my mom's mouth. I, I just think my culture, being Mexican culture, we just didn't really, we didn't really put an emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was always an active kid, played sports, I actually played sports in college as well. So I went to Arizona State. I played softball at Arizona go State. Down. Yes, go <laughs> Devils. And um, I fell in love with the human body and nutrition. My undergrad is actually political science because oh, I was okay. studying law. So was an intern at the House of Representatives. I was I took my LSAT for law school, but during that time as well is when I got certified and I started training people because it allowed me to make an income because I had moved out of my house and I needed to make money. And I've always been that sort of, ever since I was 14, 15, I've had a job. And so I was like, I need to make my own money. And I, so the training world and having clients allowed me to do that while being able to still go to school. Cause then I could have clients around my schedule, Mm -hmm. but honestly I fell in love with it and I didn't know where it was going to take me. I just knew that I had this natural coaching desire where I was actually a softball coach for a little bit too, um, for my old high school assistant varsity coach. And I just, the coaching aspect is something that came so natural to me. Mm -hmm. So when I was close to graduating college, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be a lawyer. I had even interned at some of the, um, law firms here in the Valley and was completely going down that route. Mm -hmm. And I knew in my heart, it's not what I wanted to do. It was something that was tugging at me so hard that I'm like, this is not what I want my future to be. Um, and so I ended up continuing my education and got my master's. Um, took me a little bit longer because a lot of my undergrad classes didn't transfer. So then I had to take some more undergrad, you know, for the, for that um, degree, um, like anatomy, physiology, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just followed that, continued with that, kept following my heart. So my passion truly led to my purpose. And I open up my first gym when I was 22. So yeah. So that's kind of set the tone Mm -hmm. for the rest of my fitness career throughout that time. Um, just in case your audience doesn't know to give you like a quick recap, I have owned, um, about three gyms during that time, brick and mortars to where, you know, 
uh, towards the very end, I had a gym called Fit Method, and it was like a membership-based gym where kind of very similar to Orange Theory, where I took all of my methodology, all of my years of training, and I kind of put it into that concept of what fit method was, which is basically kind of a fusion of all different types of training coming from a competing background. So kind of give you a little context back, you know, rewind a little bit, started training people, um, loved it, fell in love with it. Although my mom was devastated because we always had this plan and she's like, you know what? I trust you, Felicia. I just want you to be happy. Um, and so I also, during that time started competing. So for those that may be listening that don't know what competing is, I was a figure competitor. So what that is, if you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Olympia, like that is what I did. Now I wasn't a bodybuilder, but I was, I, you did, they did focus on muscle. So I always kind of try to explain it for those that may not know that world. Um, what I competed in was sort of like a beauty pageant with muscle and an aesthetic beauty pageant with your lines and your muscle and your leanness and your um, athleticism. And so that's what I competed in. And I naturally gravitated towards that because my body was already sort of genetically predisposed to that sort of body frame. Mm-hmm. And so I just ran with it. And honestly, that whole world really opened me up to a lot of the opportunities that I've got as a fitness model, as a cover model, being able to travel the world, competing. Um, And, you know, I, I have a podcast now. I know we talked about it. And I talk about some of that journey of how detrimental an extreme lifestyle can be. Um, and I don't regret any of that time. I'm glad I went through it because it allowed me to learn and grow and being able to talk about what I talk about now. But um, I competed for nine years. I was at one point top four in the world. Um, I've you know had eight magazine covers, including you know big national publications like Oxygen Magazine, Flex, uh, Muscle and Fitness, Muscle and Fitness Hers, and then um, you know being in that world has awarded me amazing opportunities to be able to travel to India and the Philippines and the talk to like thousands of people and then to be able to be on reality TV and you know then I able to build my brand now to do a lot of like local media stuff and TV stuff the the journey has not been easy but I do believe that every action that I took created momentum to those different opportunities in my life it was all necessary from college to how I grew up to the stuff I went through when I was competing to my health stuff to now being able to pivot and transition into different areas of life to not only create an income, but to hopefully create an impact and to be able to use all of those life experiences to help other people. And again, I feel like my life has kind of come full circle with that from like, in my 20s to like hyper obsessed about my body to hustle mode Mm -hmm. to like now health issues to being knocked down on my feet rock bottom less hustle more just patience and time Mm -hmm. to now you know semi hustle but love the domesticated lifestyle to like having passion and dreams and vision but to know that my health also matters and to be able to balance it all and that's Mm kind of where I'm at now love it okay just from that I'm like millions of questions yeah I love it so cool I want to go back a little bit Mm -hmm. to the competing days because Mm -hmm. I am like fascinated by that and you were an IFBB pro Mm -hmm. and I like I've seen all those documentaries like Generation Iron and like have you ever watched any of those Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I feel like we only see like the male perspective and what they go through I would love to hear a little bit about like how that is competing as a female like how do you even get the nerve to go up on stage like that like I would love to hear more about man so it's a lot (laughs) yeah it's a lot and I'll kind of you know I'll explain it in in my point of view in the way that not only did I start but the way that I transitioned into like even uh you know veteran figure competitor and what I went through with that so in the beginning okay so I remember seeing a sign at the gym at like a local golds and and I know golds isn't necessarily around anymore I know they're all being kind of bought out but just like the old school golds gym um here in Arizona I was I was training at one in Gilbert um for those that may not know it's just a suburb here in Arizona and I saw a sign at the gym saying like local NPC competition. And for those that may not know, NPC is the National Physique Committee. It's a type of federation for bodybuilding and for figure competitors and things like that. And I would say that it became highly publicized and started to kind of gain momentum in the 80s with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it sort of continued that. And once you're in it, it's like you don't realize, wow, there's a lot of people who are now competing or doing these things. And so... 
I was like, oh, wow, okay. I, I get to set a goal and I get to step on stage. The stage stuff terrified me because naturally I was very, very shy growing up. I didn't want to raise my hand. I didn't want the teacher to call on me. So to think that I was going to be on stage in a bikini was like, uh, that's <laughs> terrifying to me. Um, but it was also exhilarating. But I was also in that place in my life where I loved, um, I, I was an athlete and I had stopped you know, being an athlete. I wasn't playing anymore. And I love the aspect of training for something and having a specific goal to that training. So that's what drew me to the competition world was like, oh, wow, I trained for three months and then the the outcome is I you know I'm getting ready for this one day to step on stage kind of like if you're getting ready for a day that you're going to run a marathon or a mud run or a spartan race it's like the build up to that day and it was grueling mainly because I like I said before I didn't come from a dieting background Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what dieting was I knew what I almost think too, I didn't even really know what eating healthy was. You know what I mean? I I still wasn't, and there was a lot of confusion for me, what a macro was, what a protein was, uh, carb, fat. Like I, it was also new to me, which is why I continued teaching myself and learning and getting more education, higher education. But I just, the the process was really tough and it was the first time that I ever experienced binge eating. Um, I remember getting ready for the show. It was four weeks out of my first show and I remember binging on, and because when you're competing you're or getting ready for a show, you're depriving yourself of carbs or and you're on a very strict meal plan, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember binging on a box of cereal, like special case cereal. And I remember thinking, oh my God, did I just ruin my chances? And you, I didn't. And, I, and I, I competed and I got third place at my first show. But what really hooked me was all of that work, that 12 weeks. And then that one day on stage was like so exhilarating, so adrenaline rush, Mm -hmm. you get hooked. And that's what hooked me. I remember stepping on stage thinking, I want to do another one, you know, and that kind of set my career up to keep doing more. And as a woman, it's really tough because you can go in with a very positive mindset and let's say have no food issues or food disorders. But because of the lifestyle and because I feel like when you become hyper obsessed about a physical being and your physical self and what you focus on each and every day is this perfection of trying to improve this body part and this body part, it starts to distort your view of what a healthy body is and what a healthy mind is. Even though physically everyone would say, you look so great, you're doing so great, you're so healthy. I was slowly deteriorating over those years, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was slowly overtaking me to the point to where towards the end of my career, it was really hard to lose the body fat, mainly because I would deprive myself for so long Mm -hmm. and not eat those foods, tell myself that this is good, this is bad, fruit is bad, this is good, like really distorted views of food to where immediately when that show was done, I would gorge on all of the foods that quote unquote, I couldn't have Mm -hmm. during the times that I was training. So then it turned into this vicious cycle of extreme, extreme, extreme diet, restrict, diet, restrict, deprive to binge, gorge, overeat, like literally could start putting on weight 10 pounds in a week unhealthy stuff, right? And that turned into a very vicious cycle where I didn't know how to manage it. I only knew the all in or the all out. Mm -hmm. And that was like years and years of all in, all out. Whereas by the end, after a while, your body shuts down, your adrenal shut down, your body is exhausted all of its um, cortisol, the serotonin up and down, up and down that I developed autoimmune issues. I developed metabolic disorders, adrenal, you know, issues, um, hormonal issues, whole slew of things because your body can't survive for that long doing that. So um, it was a lot of a lot of trauma during that time and a lot of healing and learning as well. Mm-hmm. And is that what kind of made you retire from that? Yeah. Lifestyle? Yeah. So the health issues. So so I competed for nine years, which is a long time for a competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, most literally only last a couple of years. But what kept me in was my 
what happened to me, I think because I was kind of pushed to the top so quickly, like my very first, so to give you some context again, I competed at a local level. I got third place. Um, I competed again in California. I believe I got second place, came back to Arizona and I had won a competition. So then I was qualified to do a national competition. So within a two year time frame of only competing three times and then going to a national show and then winning and then getting my pro card, it was all a whirlwind. Like that doesn't happen. I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. And I didn't even know what being a pro was from that moment of getting my pro card. I was um, scouted by um, editor in chief of muscle and fitness and muscle and fitness hers. And literally a couple weeks later, they were flying me out to shoot for a cover. And so everything just sort of happened happenstance, like like I was in the right place at the right time and everything just kind of worked out because it's really like at that time, it was really difficult. You didn't have social Mm -hmm. media. We didn't have, no one was being seen. You had to be in those areas to be seen. And I was pushed to the top fairly quickly. So I also think that's another reason why I... I pushed so hard so long in that field was because of all of the opportunities I was getting and the pressure that I put on myself to look a certain way. You know, when people are always judging you by your physique, as a woman, you start to really define yourself by that. You forget you have a voice. You forget that you have a mind. You forget that you have other passions beyond looking a a certain way because it becomes who you are and it becomes part of your identity. And I had a really hard time um, focusing on anything else or being anything else. And when I was at my lowest low and I had gained 40 pounds in six weeks, I didn't know who I was. I was so extremely depressed and anxious ridden. I became antisocial. I, you know, had to take medication, like all of these things, all because of this buildup and momentum and then the letdown and the buildup and then the down. And I know, you know, like, I know, like I, I listen to podcasts, you know, quite often and I listen to this a lot, you know, where even like people who are high achievers or people who are doing things constantly and and are used to achieving things, Mm -hmm. they get used to that, that high, that like achieving, that achieving gets you. Like, I don't know if you've uh, um, stepped on a stage with a lot of people and I know you were really afraid right before you get on, but then you step on and you're like, wow, I just gave this amazing talk to all of these people and you get off and you have this like high and you want to like keep achieving that. Right. So same thing, like when you've been on covers of magazines, it's like, for me, I was never basking in the moment or grateful for the opportunity. I was always what's next what's next. So I know that, you know, a lot of actors, a lot of, um, uh, high, like, uh, like athletes, high achievers, high athlete, like athletes that are, you know, winning things, they go through that too. They have these, this like major high, um, when they're in the moment or when they get a job or when they're in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then when it's done, this major extreme depression, like it's never going to happen for me again. Like I need to achieve these things and I need to be doing things. And what about if this never happens again? And I had to learn how to detach from that and just be so grateful and appreciative of where I am now, Mm -hmm. which was a process working with a counselor and working with myself and a lot of self-work, a lot of personal development, but that's where I was in my twenties. And that's Mm -hmm. what allowed me to, you know, stay in that moment for so long. But then again, yes, like you mentioned, my, my health forced me to quit. Mm-hmm. and retire. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that because I think no matter how, I guess, big or small, like the goals you're achieving are, a lot of the time it is moving on to the next thing and mm-hmm. not even appreciating, oh, I accomplished this thing, whether it even mm-hmm. was like turning in a paper on time at school yeah. or something like that. Like mm-hmm. however big or small, we, I think there's a lot of issues with that. And maybe it is some of like the comparison we see like, oh, this person is doing yeah. this. Like mm-hmm. we just keep wanting to move on to the next yeah. thing. Yeah. And we, we, we want more, you yeah. know what I mean? I feel like, and I did get that burnout. Um, like I remember when I sold my last gym, I was terrified and it wasn't even, I knew that I, it was right for me, but I was, I had this still this people pleaser mentality. I was terrified of what everyone was going to think. And I think a lot of us live in that mode. We're afraid of what others are going to think of us. We don't go after that, that dream, that job, that idea. Well, what are people going to think? Or sometimes I know for a lot of women, And I had used to have, you know, uh, I guess the people that I was hanging around with, I was always afraid to like 
talk about success or my success because, oh, I don't want them to think that I'm cocky, but Mm -hmm. it's absolutely okay to talk about those things. And when we're Mm -hmm. at other women and we're all, um, you know, wanting the same things and a lot of it is approval, um, that it's, it's okay to be happy about the things that you're accomplishing. And I know that a lot of women downplay the things they're doing because again, they're afraid to talk about it. What are others going to think of me? And like, and I think that can be that for a while there, I feel like that was a big problem for a lot of ladies and, you know, being able to level up and, you know, level up the type of people that you're hanging around with or the type of um, influence that you have in your brain is going to help you also get out of that shell Mm -hmm. of whatever you're living in. Definitely. And then if they aren't supportive of you or happy for your success, Mm -hmm. then they're the wrong ones to be hanging around. Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, you have the working girl podcast, right? So it's like, that is just so, I I see that and I feel that so, so much, especially with younger girls, the competitive over, you know, competition over collaboration. And I see that so often. And, um, you know, I'm I'm slowly starting to see it change, which is amazing. And um, that's the way it should be. Definitely. Yeah. Love that. And I want to go back to your first ever magazine cover. And Mm -hmm. I know you kind of talked about this on social, but how do you, because most of us have never been on a cover and it's like, what does that entail? So can you describe how you felt? How do you feel confident to do that? Yeah. Like, I guess your mindset compared to that first one, maybe even to your most recent one. Yeah. Well, gosh, just to be totally honest, I remember in the beginning, I felt I had total imposter syndrome. I I remember before I had, I wasn't a model. I'm not a model. I have no training. Like they literally (laughs) like put you in, you know, this, um, sports bra and shorts and like, Hey, get in front of this camera. Luckily I had amazing photographers that would give you some direction, but it's really like, they just throw you out there and you have all of these people looking at you. You have the, you know, person on set. That's the wardrobe stylist, the makeup person, uh, the, the editors, the photography assistants. Like, so literally you have like 15 people looking at you while you're doing this, you feel so awkward already. And you're hoping that it looks good, but inside you're like, man, why did they pick me? Like, I'm not good for this. I remember sitting in the bathroom. I was at a swimsuit, um, uh, it was like a, I'll, I'll show you the magazine. I have it down here, but it was for flex magazine. It was her swimsuit issue. And I so did not feel like the sexy woman, like the women that I was shooting with or like these famous fitness models. Right. And I so did not feel that way. I think just cause I was a new face and I also was different looking. Mm-hmm. I had dark hair. I was more ethnic. Like they just, you know, took a chance on me and I just, I looked different than a lot of the other girls. Mm-hmm. And so I remember sitting in the bathroom, not wanting to come out, terrified, like that there were going to see flaws or that I, they want, maybe they're going to want me to like be a little leaner or maybe I have too much body fat. Like I just, I didn't think that I deserved to be there. And I remember those feelings so vividly. Um, I would even self-sabotage. So meaning I remember for my first magazine cover, I was already starting the issues with binge eating. And I remember I just kept telling myself, get through the competition, Felicia, because this was after my show. So typically after my competitions, I would put on weight. And I know that they see you when you're competing and they're hoping that you look that certain that way for the photo shoot, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that I was, I'm very estrogenic. I have Latina roots. So I'm, I have a little bit more body fat on my hips and my stomach. So I have to diet really, really hard in order to like get that lean. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling myself white knuckling till my photo shoot, just get through it, Felicia, get through it. Like don't binge eat. And I remember it was so difficult. I would think about food. I would dream about food. I would be at the grocery store thinking about all the things I wanted to eat. And I, but I was also, I started those, um, the self-sabotage type behavior. So what happened was I remember this so vividly. So the magazine world is different now than it was back then. Back then, when I was shooting for that cover, it was 2007. They would fly the models out. They paid the models. They had food service. They had makeup artists. They had wardrobe. Mm-hmm. With social media and with magazines not doing as well as they used to, now a lot of magazines are more bi-monthly. Um, maybe they you know, only launch six episodes a year instead of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, budget is different. Everything's digital. They don't do that anymore. You know, it's very rare they fly a model out. They usually, if they're in town, they'll contact who's around or who, you know, has shot with them before. Hey, can you come shoot with us? And usually come in full makeup and hair and they don't do that for you anymore. So back then it was totally different. So I remember I was in a hotel and I was in LA and I was shooting for muscle and fitness hers that next day. And I was shooting for the cover. 
I remember just thinking, just get through this. Don't binge eat. Don't binge eat. And I, I binged that night. I remember getting, I think I got like pancakes or something to go from a restaurant. And I, I just kept holding them there knowing that after my shoot, I'm going to eat these. I mean, that's how much hyper obsessed I was with wow. food. And I ended up getting up in the middle of the night and binging on like three huge pancakes wow. and then feeling terrified that they were going to see right through me that they were going to see like what happened to her. This isn't the same Felicia that I saw a couple weeks ago at this competition. Like Mm -hmm. I was always so terrified of what they were going to think about my body. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I got the cover and I was on the cover. Um, you're never a short cover. So just so people know too, like they're shooting multiple models. Um, so you're never assured a cover. So I would say like, I've had dozens of cover tries, Mm -hmm. but there's many times where I didn't get it. And, um, and so, again, it, it, that whole world is super grueling. I mean, if you're not confident within yourself or have this level of self-acceptance, you can go through periods of like literally feeling like your self-worth is so small that you feel like you're not good enough that, gosh, you, you know, that this person's better and this there's a lot of comparison and a lot of self-loathing. And it's really unhealthy, especially if, and I was coming in from a place of like a healthy mindset. So I can't imagine going in for women going in with not a healthy mindset and using the competition space to feel better about themselves. Like, oh, I'm going to set this goal because it's going to help me lose weight. Oh goodness. (laughs) Like that will just set you up for a whole slew of issues because Mm -hmm. I will, I'll be the first to tell you if you're not happy where you are now. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be happy with the 10 pound weight loss or 15 pound weight loss. You will want more. Mm-hmm. Same thing when it comes to money. If you're not completely grat- like live in gratitude and gratefulness of where you are now with the level of income you have, mm-hmm. when you hit that goal level of income, it, you're going to feel the same. You're going to feel exactly the same. And I know Tony Robbins said it the best. I remember listening to him speak and, you know, cause he comes from a place of giving. And he said that, you know, when he was working out as a janitor and he had literally no money and he wanted to do this seminar for like $250. Well, that's how much he got paid for the month. Um, and he remember, he said, you know, if I don't come from a place of being able to give at this moment, what happens when I have $250 million? If you're not giving then, you're not going to be the person of giving that in the future. Mm-hmm. So you have to come to a place in your life right now where you can come from a place of appreciation and gratefulness, but also mm-hmm. still have the goals. Um, and that's the difference. Like for me, I was miserable where I was. I was still miserable at 10, 10% body fat. And then I put on 40 pounds after that and miserable. It's like, what's the catch here? Like, when am I going to be happy? Mm-hmm. And it bottom line, after all of the self-work I've done, it wasn't from a physical person or a physical aesthetic goal. It was something that I had to feel on the inside mm-hmm. and something that I had to work on internally and not look for it in externally. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I yeah. love that. Making those habits now to set you up for success later, which kind of gets into what I wanted to talk about next was setting healthy habits yeah. and setting strong habits and getting rid of habits that maybe are being detrimental to mm-hmm. you, which I know mm-hmm. you've talked about habits and so powerful. That. Yes. Oh, so gosh, I would love I can, your perspective. <laughs> gosh, I can talk so much about habits because it is so important and and it really comes down to now we have your superficial habits right like you know you get up you brush your teeth everyone does mm-hmm. that's become a very ingrained habit that's very superficial very like easy comes you you know to do it you know why it's a habit that we've set up that just becomes as easy as, like I said, I always say as easy as brushing your teeth. Um, but the other behavioral habits that happen, um, in terms of things that could be detrimental to your health, let's just say, we'll just even use smoking for instance, or something that requires you to actually like physically get the cigarette, put it in your mouth, light it up and, and all of that. And the things that you're feeling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this book recently called the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. It's something, a book that I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And it really comes back down to behavioral triggers that cause those things. So for a lot of people, like let's just say, and I'm no expert by any means, it's only, I can only go by anecdotal evidence of my own nature and mm-hmm. like a, my clients, but it really comes down to um, 
the triggers that have continued and created that habit to continue. So, okay. So we won't talk smoking cause I'm not a smoker. So <laughs> the only reason I say smoking is because in the um, book he talks about, oh. he uses a smoker. Um, let's just take binge eating for instance, or, or night eating. Okay? okay. So I was a night eater. I got up every night and I would eat. And so I had to learn how to change that behavior to not do that. So I started to journal So if you are struggling with um, switching a habit right now or a habit that might be detrimental to your health or something that you know isn't good for you and you want to change, but you're having a really hard time, I often say, hey, carry a journal or write notes in your... um, your phone or something that you can quickly like kind of start to realize why you're doing these things. So for me, it was because I had lived in a restrictive mindset for so long that I started these habits of binge eating. So it was this habit of, I'm never going to get this food again. Let me eat all of this food right now and get it out of my system and start again tomorrow. So I had to learn how to stop labeling foods, good and bad, right and wrong. So just even in terms of night eating, I know a lot of people snack at night and they'll have their normal calories and meals through the day and then they get comfy in front of the tv they mindless eat okay so how can we stop this so a lot of times i think for many of my clients and and myself included and i can just use my own story I would always tell myself, I have to be so good at dinner. And when I say good, I was in that place of labeling food as good, bad, right, and wrong. So I would have a protein and a vegetable and a fat. I'm like, I can't have any carbs for dinner. So what I was doing to myself is I was basically setting myself up to continue in this restrictive mindset that I couldn't have these things. So what would you think I would want when I was comfortable in front of the TV? I'd want carbs. So what I started doing is I started eating carbs with dinner and I would not look at it as taboo, not look at it as good or bad, right or wrong. I I would look at it as fuel and something my body needed. Mm -hmm. And what happens is my body internally started to shift and change. My insulin levels would change. I would get really, when you eat carbs at dinner, it's very common amongst the adrenal reset diet of like not eating your carbs in the morning because a lot of people wake up very, very tired. Mm -hmm. So when you eat more carbs, it's going to make you even more tired. So if you want to be more productive and functional, have your carbs later in the day, especially if your adrenals and cortisol are off. So you've heard the term tired and wired. Mm -hmm. So being super tired during the day, I know a lot of women go through that and at night they can't go to sleep. So that was me. My cortisol levels, my adrenals were all off, my hormones were off. So I would have carbs at night and I stopped looking at it as something that was bad. I would, I would change my thought process, my neuro-linguistic programming towards my body needs these carbs. Okay. So I would have a normal dinner and after a while it just shifted my internal clock, my internal feelings of like not wanting or craving carbs when I would sit in front of the TV. Another thing you could do is switch a healthy habit, switch a a healthy habit for that bad habit. So, um, or switch a bad habit for that healthy habit, I should say. So when you know that you were triggered by the TV and sitting in front of the TV with mindless eating, Mm -hmm. take a bath or read a book. It's, it's, you just have to change your behavior, um, or take a walk after dinner. I find that a lot of people who take a walk after dinner allows their food to settle and, and their body to just become in that mode of just uh, helps your digestive tract and helps the all of the, the nutrients that your body's getting from that food to sort of settle it within the stomach. And taking that walk takes their mind off of from dinner to TV or sometimes dinner, TV while they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then more TV and more snacking. We just have to go and change the triggers that are causing that. And we don't know the triggers right away. Sometimes that's why I say journaling is so helpful. Journal your day. What are you doing as you're as you're eating? Oh, I'm watching TV. Okay, why don't you try turning the TV off and actually sit with your meal and eat your food? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really just kind of looking at your behavior and making those little switches to mm-hmm. help you through your day. Uh, I know the, the example he uses in that book with the smoker is she used her smoking as a clutch like to not gain weight um, when she was stressed or mm-hmm. whenever something like she was overwhelmed with something, she would smoke. So she switched the smoking to walking, 
then running. Mm-hmm. Then she was running 5Ks. Then she was doing marathons. Then she was traveling around the world and doing these. So, awesome. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just little behavioral changes that can change our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think that's so helpful to think about it like that because sometimes it's like, oh, I'll never change. It's too overwhelming to make mm-hmm. a big change. But if it's just small, it's small. simple things, that's it. It's not a complete easier. overhaul. <laughs> Same thing as like just even getting healthier. I think a lot of people give up is because like I mentioned before, they adopt the all in or all out mentality. And it, it cannot be that because you will set yourself up for failure, set yourself up for failure. So I would say starting with one small thing will mm-hmm. snowball into other things. So that one small thing could be, okay, you know, one third of my day is breakfast. I'm going to eat a healthy breakfast today. And that can, and that's all I'm going to focus on is my healthy breakfast. I'm not going to think about if I go through the drive through f- to McDonald's for lunch or if I, you know, have that cookie in the afternoon. That's not even a thought pattern. It's just, if you want to do it, do it. But the only thing that I can focus on right now is eating this really healthy breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to focus on for the next 30 days and not overhaul anything else. And so you'll notice that that will snowball into other habits. Mm-hmm. Love. And I want, I love on social, you do the Felicia fit tip. I love oh, yeah. those tips. Yeah, so, you. and my listeners love like the fast, easy tips, like very yeah. specific like that. So it's like, I need all the tips yes. from Felicia. <laughs> so what do you say to a woman who says I have no time to mm. work out? And I know like I, during like my other life in my full-time job, I work like a desk job. Mm-hmm. And like when you get in that mindset, it's like, Oh, I mm-hmm. just sat all day. Like, how do you fit mm. in like fitness and health? Like, yeah. what do you say to someone who says, I have no time? That's such a good question. Cause we really do. If you really <laughs> were to take inventory on your day and audit your day, you have time. You absolutely, it's all about, okay. It's not necessarily about being busy. It's like, what do you have? What do you make priority in your life? And so mm-hmm. it's replacing the busyness for like priority and health should be priority, right? Um, or movement. Um, and I also think maybe even changing our thoughts towards exercise mm-hmm. is not as something as, as, as I feel like a lot of us are like, Oh, I can't get to the gym. I don't have an extra hour out of my day to like drive, drive to the gym, drive back. Exercise doesn't have to be gym. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exercise can be anything. And so I would take inventory and maybe kind of audit your week and take a look at your week. And I am a firm believer in time batching. Um, I believe that that's allowed me to stay super efficient. It allows, it's allowed me to stay consistent with my podcast. I know we were talking Mm -hmm. earlier that, you know, what would you say? Like 80% only go up to episode episode seven. seven. Yeah. So what's allowed me to stay consistent with that is time batching time for recording episodes. So a woman that can says, okay, I have no time. I work all day. And then I have my kids or my, you know, whatever that might look like for them. Mm-hmm. I would take your calendar, look at your day. And it's, is something that you're going to have to schedule in just like we're excited to schedule in a hair appointment or a nail appointment. Mm-hmm. Your health can be the same thing. So looking at your calendar and literally I'm a firm advocate is some exercise is better than no exercise. So, you know, instead of scrolling on social media for that 30 minutes, that might be, you might be doing that like, Hey, I'm going to switch that 30 minutes that has just accumulated in the day for people. It's a lot more. I know my screen time sometimes is like five hours a day and like, Whoa, where can I find? I'm like, this is, there's no excuse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also use that same example for people who are like, I don't have, um, the money to pay for this program. I'm like, okay, let's just calculate what you're using or buying at Starbucks for the month. And usually mm-hmm. it's probably a lot more than a gym membership would be or a lot more than what paying a trainer would be, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But a lot of times people don't want to look at that. They don't want to be honest with their health. Um, But we all have 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And again, starting small. So allotting that 15 minutes for you. And again, if you are coming from a place of like no movement, working mode, work mode, mom mode, you have that 15 minutes. You need that 15 minutes for your sanity, right? So <laughs> batching it into your calendar, writing it in, me time or gym time or movement time. Um, and literally it will snowball into other things. If you can be consistent and, you know, I, I you know, um, challenge your listeners, you know, for the next 30 days, put it in your calendar, 15 minutes of walk time or Mm -hmm. stretching or maybe even a mobility movement. There are so many things online that you can look up. Um, You can even type in YouTube, you know, 15 minute workout, body weight workout routine at home. Mm -hmm. Your dozens of things are going to pop up. Follow that for 15 minutes, set your timer. 
that's all you need. Be consistent with it. And consistency is where people fall, fall and fall short. Be consistent for 30 days, then maybe add another challenge. Maybe add five extra minutes. It can be something so small, but man, just to, just think of that 15 minutes a day for 30 days, how much time that has added and how much stronger you're going to be by the end of that 30 days, how much mobile you're going to be, how much more functional you're going to be by just that movement alone. So start small, put it in the calendar <laughs> and don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. You're not going to cancel your hair appointment because we all love getting our hair done. <laughs> Don't cancel on yourself mm-hmm. for your health. Yeah, I love that. And I know sometimes too people, they're, okay, I'm getting into this routine. I'm exercising and they feel like they're not seeing results. Like mm-hmm. any tip or advice or I guess words of comfort for somebody who feels yeah. like they're not seeing results. Because yeah. I think you're so tempted to just give up and yeah. not. Like, why do I keep going? I'm not seeing any results. The advice I would give for that is to change your goal. So take it away from the aesthetic, Mm -hmm. take it away from the number on the scale because you still could be seeing some amazing changes, even though the scale may not be changing. Mm -hmm. How's your energy? Are you sleeping better? How's your mind? Has your anxiety decreased? Um, Are you getting more nutrients in? You know, like all of these other things that could have a compound effect on your health that the number on the scale may not be showing or Mm -hmm. reflecting. And it's like we put so much great emphasis on the scale and the number that we forget the bigger picture. We forget that we're actually doing something good for our bodies and ourselves. And I do believe that when we become hyper-obsessed and hyper-focused on a number, on our health, on um, the the way that our body is looking, Mm -hmm. we actually do the opposite. The body does the opposite. So when we become so hyper-obsessed and hyper-focused on our physical self, your body becomes very, very stressed. Mm-hmm. Your mind becomes stressed. Your body, your your digestive system starts to struggle. Um, I don't, I can't tell you how many ladies. Once you really start digging into them and, and digging into like their daily activity, the the women that are really hyper obsessed about their bodies and their weight are also the ones that have a really hard time going to the bathroom and are super constipated. And I do feel there's a direct correlation to that. I feel like the hyper obsessed women that are so wanting to like, I got to lose this weight. Oh my gosh. The scale, like it's up today. It's down today. I got to eat perfect. You are doing damage to your body by doing that. You're causing so much stress internally that you're not allowing your body to make the changes. So what I would say to that woman is change your goal. Mm -hmm set a strength goal, set a consistency goal. Like I had mentioned before, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days. Not going to jump on the scale. I'm not going to be hyper obsessed and hyper focused. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm going to get a little bit of movement in for 15 minutes a day, every day for the next 30 days. Mm -hmm. The byproduct of that is going to be changes in their physical. It will be. And you won't even realize it because you're going to be feeling so good that whether your body changes or not, you're just going to feel strong and you're going to feel good. And then, you know, if the body does have weight that it needs to release, then I always say releasing weight instead of uh, weight loss, Mm -hmm. because sometimes our bodies are in a place where you know that you have some weight that you need to release and your body's holding on to it for whatever reason. And we need to give it a reason to release, whether it's proper nutrition, exercise, because let's be honest, I'm I'm a nutrition coach and, you know, fitness person and Mm -hmm. you do have to expend or, um, expend more than you're consuming and just on a surplus calorie, surplus calorie expenditure level. So just in the science of it, but then all of the other aspects that come in, the mental health and the stress and the sleep, you also have to take that into account, but I do get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, people do have weight they need to release and that's okay to have those goals. It's just how are we getting to those goals? How are we, how are we treating ourselves as we're wanting to release this weight? How are we, what are we doing each day? How are we speaking to ourselves? It all comes into play. And so, um, I'm a firm believer in goals. I think it's great. And I think it's absolutely okay to, for women to want to lose weight. I know there's this whole like self-love movement, which I think is fantastic. I think diet culture can get very, very confusing and very overwhelming. Um, so I don't necessarily buy into diet culture, but I also don't necessarily buy into all of the, I, I'm like more middle ground, like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what about the women who want to lose weight? That's mm-hmm. okay too, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay to love yourself. So, you know, it's okay to like be in a place where you love yourself. Self, but you also 
want to achieve this weight loss, weight release goal, whatever that might be. So I'm right in the middle with that. Yes. Love yeah. that. I think it's so good to have a perspective on all sides because mm-hmm. you do want to be healthy and mm-hmm. maybe if you do want to shed a few pounds, that's okay. And yeah, it's okay to love yourself too. Yeah. And love yourself the whole time too, yeah, which is even better. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I want to talk about, so we talked a little bit about your relationship with food back then, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about it now because your podcast is even called diet dropout. Yeah. And so maybe kind of talk about that mission and how yeah. your view on diet is now and how other people can kind of help yeah. fix their relationship with food. Yeah, absolutely. I am a place in my life where I, I do believe and I will you know, come out and say that I feel like diets do not work um, mainly because the way that we have now treated diets and treated that culture, um, it's just not sustainable. So I feel like when the word diet comes about or... And, and there's a gazillion diet plans out there, but any time that we start a diet, the first part of that diet is, these are all the foods you can't have, right? All of the restrictive stuff. And I feel like that can really set, that can really be dangerous because the first thought of, I can't do this, I can't do that, we're gonna want that. We're gonna look for those times and those opportunities to be able to have that and probably overdo it. I, I do think that it's gonna lead to issues with body dysmorphia. I do think it's gonna lead to uh, poor um, relationships with food um, as viewing food as right, wrong, good or bad. I do feel like it's gonna allow uh, force us to um, attach ourselves emotionally to a food, mm-hmm. which we should never do. You know, food is fuel. You eat food, like it's all going to be there. You know, funny story is not really funny, but my family, you know, come from Mexican culture. My mom loves to feed us. I mean, every time we go there, she's like, oh, here, I made all this food. Like she's always cooking and always eating like feeding everybody. And whenever we're over there for dinner, we go there like once a week. She we eat our meal and she's like, oh, let me get you seconds. I'm like, oh, no, no, mom, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I'm not full, but I'm not hungry. Like I'm satisfied. Like I've been able to kind of target and hone in on my hunger cues and my satiety cues. And I know like when to stop. And I'm like, oh, I think if I have another plate, like it's going to push me over the edge. Like I'm not going to feel good after that. And she's like, oh, you could, you could, you could eat a few, you know, you could, uh, you could stand to um, gain a few pounds. And I'm like, mom, it's not about the weight for me. It's the way that I feel. And then I have to remind her because most of my family is overweight. I'm like, mom, you do know, like, all this food is going to be there tomorrow and it's going to be there the next day and the next day and the next day. There's no reason to have to eat it all right now. You know what I mean? So for a lot of us, we have now created this, this culture within the diet community that it's the all in or all out mentality. It's the good, bad, right or wrong. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't eat carbs. You shouldn't eat past eight. I think it can all get so confusing that we have completely, Um, we have forgotten just to look within ourselves and to just ask ourselves, what is it that we want? How is it, what, what makes us feel good? And that's where the intuitive side comes in. I would say I'm more of an intuitive eater now. I don't diet. Um, but I also, I have no desire to want to be overweight or unhealthy, but I have no desire to live by the rules of what diet culture is. I, but I also have a good understanding of what nutrition is so that I do have the one up on that, but I've had to heal my relationship with food. So now, you know, I, I don't necessarily look at as food as good or bad. I don't attach a moral code to it, but I always look at how is this going to make me feel? Mm -hmm. So knowing that I have a busy day today, I got up. I I do intermittent fast. Um, I don't say I put a label on it. I just naturally do that. I was doing that even before there was a label. I just, I'm not that hungry in the morning and I feel more productive. And I usually have my first meal, um, you know, about 10 or 11. And I knew that I'm going to have a productive day. I have podcasts with you. I was training some clients. I have a Zoom call. I know that if I have a big breakfast of whatever that might look like, and I, I, you know, maybe have an influx of carbs or sugar or whatever that is, I know that I'm not going to be as productive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know that my day isn't going to run as smoothly. I'm going to feel tired. My cognitive might not be as good. So I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not staying away from it because I'm worried about I'm going to gain all this weight. Mm-hmm. I'm staying away because I know I'm not going to feel my best. But maybe tomorrow, Sunday, kind of a relaxed day, not a lot going on, maybe I will have that breakfast. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I go based on how I'm going to feel and what's going to fuel me. But also now getting to an age, I'm 37 now, 
I, I, I want to fuel myself with things that are really going to help me help my brain function, help my hormones, help my gut. Um, because I, I respect my body and I value that. Um, so when I now, when I approach anything now, it comes from a place of like feeling versus mm-hmm. a place of, of looking and the, the physical goals. Um, mm-hmm. so I would say that's kind of what changed for me over the years. And I know myself that if I were to become hyper obsessed or if I tell myself, okay, I'm gonna, I need to lose 10 pounds and I'm going to just watch what I eat. I know myself. I start to become hyper obsessed again. I start to, um, worry about the things I'm eating. I start to look at myself in a negative way. And it's weird how those little switches come in our head, especially for ladies. It's like this little switch on all of a sudden you could be, and I, I can't tell you how many ladies I've spoke to who have competed. And they're like, man, I, before I competed, like I was actually in really good shape and I love my body. And now they're dealing with hormonal issues or an influx of water weight or maybe 10 pounds heavier than where they were before Mm -hmm. because of that, what happened that little, and man, I, so many ladies that reach out to me because of diet dropout that have been in that place of like, Oh man, I, I had a normal relationship with food before competing. And now I like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what's good for me and what's not. And she's like, and then all I want to do is like eat carbs and I have the belly fat because of the cortisol and the adrenal and all that. And so I hear that so often and I see it so often. Right. And I love that perspective because just hearing you talk, I'm like, wow, like food is so personal. And I don't think we think about it as like mm-hmm. personal enough. Like, mm-hmm. cause it's like, Oh, a diet one size fits all, but like, it's so personal to think it about is. it that way. And I think that's way more healthy. Mm-hmm. To do it absolutely. That. is. I, I think, like I said, when you forget to ask yourself, what is it that you like? And, you know, I can even just, I can pick on keto for a little bit. Um, and I think keto can be fantastic. I think keto can be really, really good for people with, um, what is it? Some of the, the health issues out there, Parkinson's things that, um, you know, there's been studies that show that it does help people with certain like ailments and, and, and disorders, and it can be very beneficial for people. Um, but let's just say the mom next door that has, you know, three kids, you know, maybe, you know, 20 pounds heavier than she'd like to be and tired all the time. And she sees her, you know, friend who's doing this, you know, whatever exercise program and she's on keto and she's lost 20 pounds and she's like, Oh, my friend lost, I should do keto. I can give up carbs for however long. Well, what happens there is, okay, first that woman was coming to me and she tells me, I really want to do keto. Can you help me? And I said, okay, well, first off, you know, what's your daily routine like? And she's like, well, I probably, it's probably carb laden. So it's probably all carbs mainly. Um, cause that's how most people are. And she's like, and that's why, Oh, well you have a lot of carbs in the day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you like carbs? She's like, yeah, I love carbs. I'm like, okay, so why do you think keto would be good for you? Oh, uh, because my friend, she did it and she's lost 20 pounds. And I know that if I just cut the carbs for this amount of time, I'll lose the weight quickly and it'll give me the kickstart that I want. It's always the kickstart, the momentum. I said, okay, so let's just talk about this for a little bit. So you love carbs. You eat it on a daily basis. It's something that you, you love, you know, love to eat. Um, you have some weight you want to lose. And you think that if you spend the next three to six months, not eating any carbs at all, you're going to lose the weight. And then what will happen? And they never really know what to say. They're like, well, I'll just, you know, lose the weight and I'll go back to regular life. You know, what's going to happen is you're probably going to put all the weight back on because your body not have carbs for that amount of time. And chances are you're going to towards the end in the beginning, people are really motivated, but by like week four, week five, week six, they're like white knuckling it. Like I just want carbs or they're looking forward to a cheat meal or then you start to then develop unhealthy habits Mm -hmm. like the binge eating possibly, or the, I just want carbs. And maybe they're like sneak sneaking carbs, you know, at night, or it becomes this really taboo thing. Right. And then what's going to happen is after that three months, let's say you do lose the weight, the weight's going to come back probably pretty aggressively and maybe even more. Mm -hmm. So let's just, you know, let's just take a look at this and analyze this for a little bit how could you sustainably set yourself up for weight loss success without doing what your friend's doing? She was successful, but you don't know what she's going through. Mm -hmm. You don't know if she personally is having a really hard time or if she's binging at night or how she feels about herself. Cause you're right. Food is so personal for people, but you need to look within yourself. I know that keto wouldn't be good for me. I could probably do it. I have, you know, a pretty good sense when I tell myself like pretty good sense of willpower, but I know that I love 
fruit. I love bananas. I had a banana today. I love oatmeal. I love rice. Mm-hmm. I love my, you know, shrimp tacos with my corn tortillas. Like I love carbs. I I know that I wouldn't be able to sustain a keto diet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how could we attack tackle this in a practical way, sustainable way? Basically, we could just even take one step with her and literally um, cut her portions down by half because chances are she's probably overeating through the day. Mm-hmm. So let's just take a look at your day, not changing anything, just taking the meal that you eat at breakfast and eating half of it and doing that through the whole day. You're going to lose 10 pounds from the get go, mm-hmm. you know? So, and you're not limiting whole food groups and foods that you love. You're having the same exact thing, just less of it. Mm-hmm. And then we get to a place where your body will plateau. We can analyze a little bit more, make a little bit more changes. But at that point, you have momentum. At that point, you've now stick to a habit and you've been successful with that habit. By that point, your your body's now, you know, starting to kind of work better, be more efficient, probably going to the bathroom, like all of these little things that are happening because of those little changes that are going to set you up for better momentum. Mm -hmm. So it's little things like that where you have to really ask yourself, like, what is it that I like and don't like? What's my lifestyle like? Am I on the go person? Like, do I have time to cook all these meals? Would it be Mm -hmm. smart for me to like join this coach who's wanting me to cook all of these meals all the time? Do I even like to meal prep? Like all of these things that we forget to ask ourselves. And that's where I'm, I'm, you know, really challenge people and explore the, what is it intuitively look within yourself to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love. Okay. I could talk to you forever, yeah. but <laughs> we're going to head into the rapid fire round. Okay. First thing that comes to your mind and you can elaborate on it. Always yeah. love to hear a little bit of background. So first one, an easy one, morning person or a night owl. I would say both. Oh my God. Can <laughs> I say works? both? Yeah. I wasn't, I, for a long time, I was not a morning person. I needed my sleep. Like I needed sleep. Like I would love to like get extra sleep. I would, you know, always push the snooze button. But now I actually, I think being in a new space, we're in a new house. Um, I have, have sort of like transferred over into a morning person. I enjoy my mornings with my coffee and like the things that have going on. But I also love the night because that's when my fiance gets home and we're able to like sit and talk. And, um, I like staying up and binge watching the office per se. Love. So, you know, it's, I would say I'm, I'm both. Okay. Get a girl who can do both. Yes. <laughs> my day is not complete without. Mm, my day is not complete without. Ooh, probably, probably with my animals. So probably walking the dogs. That's like our daily routine. Rylan comes along, my fiance's son. And yeah, daily walks. Love. Mm -hmm. So fun. I have blank on me at all times. Definitely my my phone (laughs) and my scrunchie. I, I go, you'll see me all day. Like I'll have my hair up, my hair down, my hair up, my hair down. Like uh, it's, I'm always like in the moment. So I always have my scrunchie. (laughs) Yes. She has it right now. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. That's so smart. Cause I'm always like, Oh, I need to put my hair up and I have nothing. So good one. (laughs) Favorite book, podcast resource that has made an impact on you. Yeah. Oh gosh. The most recent book that I just read was the power of habit by Charles Duhigg that has completely, I've even, well, I want to listen to it again. And I started a new book I mentioned earlier to you called Boundless by Ben Greenfield. Mm-hmm. It's, he gives tips on how to optimize your brain, defy aging, and just really become this efficient person. And the type of science that he uses, he talks about EMF, which is the electro, electric magnetic fields, red light, mm-hmm. um, gut health, um, negative ions, like getting out in nature, um, you know, just taking your shoes off and walking on grass. Um, all these things that are, I think are so important. And I love his mentality of like less or more is not good that we need to get back to like a very peaceful state. And we're just a high stress, high functioning society that we need to slow down and really get back to just peace and, Mm -hmm. and breath work and, um, like meditation. So those two books have really made an impact on me. You're still making an impact on me. So power of habit and boundless and then podcast. Uh, I love, Right when you came up, I was listening to the Skinny Confidential. They always have really valuable guests on. Um, and I love, I, I do love like the true crime. So oh, yes, I listen to too. like Dateline podcast. I listen to um, like, you know, different true crime 
podcasts that I just, I, I don't know, it, it helps me be more prepared. Like if something yeah, were to happen, like, oh, now honestly, I know, like I'm yes. going to be more observant and yes. I'm going to like not be so trusting and I never turn my back towards somebody. Like, yeah, I just, um, I just, I don't know. I always use it. Keith is always like my fiance is like, why do you listen to that stuff? You're always so paranoid. Like I have to call him. So I do real estate part time. So anytime I'm like showing a house, I call him and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to keep you on speaker and I'm going to have you in my pocket just in case anything happens. And then like, I have like a long sleeve jacket on and mace up my sleeve you know I'm like just in case something he's like Felicia I I totally I'm glad that you're so hyper vigilant about like your safety but you know I think the true crime is really like like it's kind of adding more stress and more like fear into your life yeah but yeah so those are the things that I'd recommend yeah so funny I I feel you on that and honestly like safety first like I support that yes totally (laughs) last one I'm inspired by I am inspired, you know what, Uh, to be honest, as of lately, I am inspired truly by like women like you, other women entrepreneurs, women that feel this sense inside them to make a difference and to go after their passions and dreams and to like put themselves out there more. Mm -hmm. I am completely inspired by that. When I see women like achieving things, I'm like, whoa, I could do that too. Or like, man, that that gives me like tons of inspiration, you know? So other women that are doing it and chasing their dreams and putting it out there, that is total inspiration to me. I love it. And then where can we find the podcast? Where can we follow you? Yeah. Um, at Felicia Romero. So just my name on Instagram and uh, Twitter. And then, um, I don't even really use Twitter. I don't know why I said that. I barely (laughs) use Twitter. I actually, it annoys me because people are like so mean on Twitter. Um, diet dropout podcast. I have an Instagram for that called the diet dropout podcast. And, um, you can see all of the links to the latest episodes there. Uh, FeliciaRomero.com. I have an intake form there if you're ever wanting to work with me uh, currently I work with companies and corporations on their corporate on their wellness their employees wellness I just give a give a big big talk at GoDaddy um, so yeah I am very accessible and easy to get a hold of so yeah just reach out awesome love it and definitely check out the podcast because you're doing like you're doing good oh, work and you. important work thank too, you so I much it. I appreciate it awesome thank you so much thank you Yay. okay cool I'm gonna stop How amazing was that? So good. So much good advice. Definitely follow her on social media. For my Friday favorite this week, during this crazy time, there are a lot of small businesses doing some great things. A lot of companies doing special promotions and things that are just really positive during this harder, dark time. So shout out to all these local smaller businesses and, and all around the country and around the world because they're really just trying their best and making lemonade out of lemons. If anything resonated with you today, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Any review you leave just helps the podcast get seen by more people. So if you could leave a review, that would be the best thing ever. If you are just sitting on the couch right now trying to figure out, oh, what what else should I watch? Maybe, maybe it's time to leave a review for Working Girl Talk. So head over to the podcast page on Apple Podcasts and click five stars, write a little review, do whatever you need to do. Tell me what you think. I always love hearing your feedback. And if anything resonated with you today, make sure to share it with a friend as well. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there. I will talk to you next week.